Hello, and welcome to episode one of the Living Scent Equipping Podcast. I'm Sarah Marie, and I'm here with my co-host Chandler. Hi, Sarah Marie. Welcome to yourself to the Living Scent Equipping Podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Our hope for this podcast is that we can help anyone out there who's chosen to listen. Thank you, by the way, if you have chosen to to at least listen to this first episode. Our hope is that if you want to be someone who shares about what Jesus has done for you and for others, if you want to be someone like that, that this podcast can help you to do so, to answer some questions, to give you some vision, to set you up to do that well. Mm-hmm. And our first episode is cultivating a missional heart. And when we think about what does it mean to have a missional heart, it is the the part of living scent that your heart mirrors God, God's heart, and you behave like the Lord would towards the lost. And when I think about people who live missionally well, um, we've invited Pastor Harold from Christian Love Fellowship Ministries International to join us today. He's somebody that I just think is um, really exemplifies having a missional heart. He and his wife, Pastor Angie, have been at Christian Love since 1991. They've been the senior pastors for three years. And then I think we've met two years ago through once a month food distributions and feel like, man, never have I felt so instantly teamed up with someone for the sake of the gospel. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Sarah Marie, and also Chandler for allowing me to be here. Of course. It's been great. It's been great even teaming up with you for all these last two years. Yeah. You guys have been heaven sent. Yeah, it's flown by. Why don't we why don't we give the people a little bit of who is Pastor Harold? Uh we just did this for ourselves, but give the people a little bit of what you do in your life and wh- how you got to be where you are. And then Sarah Marie, maybe you could give the people a little bit of how do New Life and Christian Love Fellowship interact? Uh, mm-hmm. Because some people who are listening might not know that. And then that can set us up for our conversation that we want to have today. Great. So again, my name is uh, Pastor Harold Wimberly, better known as Pastor H. And that's what they call me. Um, <clears throat> I started off born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, basketball player. I played at Tiffin University on full scholarship and later came to Eastern Michigan and started working at uh, Washington County Juvenile Detention and Grand Courts, And I loved it. I loved being in that space. And I did it for about 15 years there and then went on to run some other facilities in the area of Wedgwood Christian Services, as well as uh, Vista Maria and, and Dearborn. And I just enjoy it. And I've been doing that for a while. In fact, it's funny because I was just sharing with you, Sarah, about when I first came to the juvenile courts at uh, Washtenaw County. And I remember a guy, the head person told me that you have to be careful. I need to talk to you because I noticed, I hear you've been taking some kids home from the streets before they even get here. And some of the kids who've been here, you take them home. And I said, yes. And he told me that under no circumstances can you ever do that again because you represent us. So I went home and I thought about that, like, wait a minute, you know, this is something I love doing. And my wife was good with it. And she would stay up sometimes and fix breakfast in the mornings and for the kids to come by. And then right when I went in to tell him that I wasn't really, really feeling this with you telling me that I couldn't do 
he was later terminated. Mm -hmm. And not because I said anything to anybody. Mm -hmm. I think it was some other stuff that he had to deal with. So at that point, I continued doing what it is that I love best. And that's working out in the streets and in the communities with, with kids, with families. And, you know, it was just, it fits, you know, something I always had a heart to do. And I wasn't saved at that moment either. So, But you already had a heart for the least of these. That's it. That's correct. Mm-hmm. When did um, when did that heart for the least of these get transitioned over to a heart for the lost, like the Lord's heart for the lost? Oh wow, that's 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 great. That, that's a great question because I have a good friend named Dr. John Wallace. He's a senior pastor at Bible Center in Pittsburgh in Homewood, which is probably one of the roughest areas in Pittsburgh but the most blessed area because they are changing that whole community, that whole area. And he came out to juvenile detention one day when I was working and he came out and we had a conversation. We were running this program for young boys inside. It was manhood, education and training. And they were, you know, a few of the guys from the church, Christian love that came up, never heard of Christian love, didn't know anything about them at the time. And we began to talk, John and I, Dr. Wallace and I began to have conversation. What we had conversation about is something so spectacular. And I think this is a really good key for people who want to know, how can I share this gospel? He began to ask me questions about who am I? What I love to do? What are my dislikes? You know, tell me a little bit about yourself. He didn't come at me and say, hey, did you know Jesus was your Lord and Savior? <laughs> Did you know you need to accept him now? Or are you going to hell? He didn't say any of those things. He befriended me for me. And it was later as I began to hang around him, I began to just go visit him. He would do some little odd jobs around the house and I'd come over and see how he's doing. And it's not really polite to sit there and watch somebody working and you not pick up something and help. So we started doing that, and and here's a funny story I can tell you is that again, remember I'm not saved yet. I'm not, you know, I'm just kind of seeing what's going on here. They had a men's bachelor party. <laughs> now let me tell you, <laughs> coming from this whole school vibe, and I'm kind of a street cat guy. I'm like bachelor party. All right, let's get it. So I went over there. I walked in this house, you guys. And all these men, and I'm like, okay, there's nothing strange about this right now. They're cooking, they're singing, they're praying. Now it's getting a little strange, right? And so nine o'clock's coming because we started at seven. Who does that? Very early. Nine o'clock coming. Still, no ladies, right? <laughs> I'm just, I, and one thing about me, guys, I'm, very, I, I'm outspoken. I'll tell you the truth. Because I'm only going to talk about me in front of you, okay? <laughs> yeah. So once everything started and it was, and guys were laughing, I'm laughing and talking, guys. I'm still doing like watching the watch, <laughs> you know, not to go home, but you know, I want it. What's the party, you guys? Yeah. It's a bachelor party. Yeah. Well, ten o'clock rolls around and guys are cleaning up the house. We're praying and giving advice to the guy, the, the groom to be, and. I went home. I was in home in bed by about 10, 30, 11, quarter 11. And I'm sitting here and I, I get home. I'm sitting on the bed and I'm thinking like, wow, 
I don't smell like smoke. I've been drinking apple juice and sunkist orange pop. I had some good spaghetti and stuff, and the house was spotless. And we were in somebody's house that none of us owned. And the house was cleaner than it was before we got started. And I'm saying, something's different about these guys. And I started being intrigued by it. Yeah. I was, I was asking a lot of questions. I'm that guy that says, why? And so he invited me to church. And when he invited me to church, I began to sit down and just really listen. And I started asking. My hand went up. I'm raising my hand. Why? Mm -hmm. I'm constantly asking why because I really want to know. I think so often we get to a place where we think people just tell you something. You don't know. You just nod your head because you really want them to stop talking. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to keep talking, but I needed them to keep talking some more about what they were talking about because I felt something in my heart, literally felt something in my heart that was different. And it's at that point, I never stopped meeting with those guys. I started going on men's fellowship retreats with them. And eventually, they didn't have to ask me, did I want to accept Christ? I said, I want this. And my life changed. Mm -hmm. And I tell you how it changed. And um, I'm sorry, but memories that started coming back. And I tell you how it changed because I remember one day in the wintertime, it should be a place up here called School Kids in Ann Arbor. Okay. There was a store where they had uh, CDs and music stores and stuff like that. So I was really big in this hardcore hip-hop. Again, I wasn't saved, but I had a ton of CDs. Now, back then, in the, in the early 80s, mid-80s, CDs were like about $20 a, a CD. I had hundreds of them. It was new technology. It was new technology, yeah, was yes. A big deal. And so I had recently had a three-year-old little girl. Me and my wife had got married, and I got a three-year-old girl. And... I can't listen to this no more. And something really pricked my heart and what was saying, I can't listen to this no more. Now, I'm not telling you as a Christian, as a believer, you can't listen to music other than gospel. That's not what I'm going to tell you because I love uh, jazz. I love others, R&B, things Mm -hmm. like that. I still listen to that. But it's certain songs that I need to listen to that have some kind of values. It kind of makes you feel good. If I can't listen to it with my children or in the church, or wherever else, I don't need to be listening to it. So I gathered up all these CDs, and I called myself, I'm going to go sell them back to school kids. I heard about it. Now, you remember back in the day, groceries, like you can get one bag of groceries for maybe an arm or a leg, maybe, right? <laughs> and so I took my daughter. It's wintertime. We came down here to Ann Arbor, and I sold my CDs back to the guy. And this is the question he asked me. He gave me about $85 for all these CDs. Now, remember, they were $20 a piece. And I gave him probably about close to 100 CDs. And so at that point, he asked me before I walked out the door, I said, well, take these because I don't want to take them with me. He said, I can only give you $88 and and some change. I used to know the exact dollar change. But he said to me, this is all like, you know, we can do because you have, we have a lot of these. So I said, can you just take these? If you want to, you can throw them away. I don't care what you do with them. Before I walked out, I'm holding my little girl's hand. He says to me, hey, sir, why are you giving up these CDs? Because my life changed. And I walked out the door. I had no more conversation. (laughs) And it's at that point, I got rid of my cable, certain stations. I had every station. You know, I started giving up a lot of these things. And I was sitting in church that one day, and I literally felt like chains fell off of me. Mm -hmm. 
And it was at that point that I said, you know, my life is different. I didn't know what that meant because I'm not a spooky kind of guy. People come and tell me, you know, thus saith the Lord. I, okay, I got to just see for myself, you know? <laughs> so, so at that point, I just started feeling day by day, month by month, year by year, my life really began to change. I started having a different conversation. I had different feelings about things. Um, and that's how I kind of got on that whole piece about this is what I want to do. Because here, I can really be who I am and who I was created to be. There's a purpose now mm -hmm. to the way that you love others. Mm -hmm. Because I already, remember, there's already a foundation there. My parents taught me how to love others, you know. And to me, somebody came and got me off, you know, off my stoop, if you will. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, you remember the guy at the pool of Bethesda? He sat there. For all those years. And not only did he sit there, he sat there and it was, he was so close to where the water was stirred. The angels would stir that water every once in a while. And he was so close that if he just slipped and stretched his leg, his pinky toe would get in there and he'd be healed, you know? But he sat there for a long time. But he, here's the problem of sitting there when you know it's time to make a change. You invite other people to come sit right next to you. Mm -hmm. And to me, we either going to lead people to the gospel, or we're going to lead people to hell. One of the two is no in-betweens. And just by, you know, birds of a feather flock together. That's the old saying when I was growing <laughs> up, yeah. you know, um, that's how it was. And so he sat there until Jesus came and asked him a question. And here's the question that was asked to me the same. Do you want to be healed? And I heard that is, do you want to be different? Do you want to be who you were created to be? Do you want to live a life that not problem free, but the light at the end of the tunnel in your new life does not have to be a train? And that's where I said, you know what? I want that. Mm -hmm. I want that. I literally want that. And he's, he asked the guy, and there's something we have to do. He had to get up and he had to walk. The biggest thing I'll say with that is we can say we believe God, but we know the Bible says faith without works is dead. So I'm going to challenge everyone who may be listening and even us in this room. Mm -hmm. Let your faith get married to your work because that's what has to happen. Faith and work has to come together, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what it was. I got sick and tired of renting space from the devil for all those years and asking God to pay my rent. Yeah. Plain and simple. That's awesome. Thank you for thank you for all those those stories. Mm -hmm. That's uh it's encouraging to hear. Um and man, we could just we could hit stop recording now. I think we're good. <laughs> no, we got more. But uh yes, and what I love about that, like Sarah Marie, you pointed out, you're already you already had something that God was doing in your heart that was causing you to want to go and, and love these kids um, in the juvenile system. And but you didn't know Jesus yet. And, and I want to believe that there's something God was doing there. And then he decided, I'm going to I'm going to bring you to to faith in me. And then you get to bring the work that you were doing together mm -hmm. with your faith in Jesus and, and see such a, a greater purpose for what you're doing. And, and then that is also now connected to the fact that, like you said, 
someone came and got you off the stoop. Mm-hmm. And now that's something that you want to do with your life and that's help right. people who were in your spot to to come to to know Jesus too. That's right. Yeah, I think think of all the stories where Jesus healed or freed someone, and even if he asked them not to, they couldn't help but talk about it. That's right. Like when yeah. you have been given the gift of healing, the gift of freedom, the gift of salvation, like how can you keep that to yourself? Like we have the best news that there is. And why wouldn't I want someone to experience the same freedom that I've experienced yeah. from the Lord? Um, can't keep it to myself. That's right. Yeah. And as far as sin, let me tell you, <laughs> I think people, I hear people say, I would, I can't come into church yet because I got to get myself together. Well, let me give you two things here. First of all, you're not coming to church, you're coming to a building. You're the church. So when you get to the building, now the church is here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be the building that says new life, Christian love. Those have to be things that we already are. We have to decide that we want Christ because then you'll have a new life. He says, you know, the old passes away and behold, all things become new. And that's a process. I was... When I talk about sin, I, I tell this to my congregation, I have no bones about it. I'm not bragging about it. I'm not boasting in it. But I I love, I was a wild dude. Mm-hmm. I love doing whatever I want to do. Um, and when you look in the book, at, you can look in the almanac, you can look in the dictionary. And when it says sin, you'll see my face right there. I was in that zone. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I was angry. I was frustrated about a lot of things in my past. And I think a lot of times we hold on to things in our past to keep us from moving into this new place that God has for you. You don't have to stay in the space you're in. Mm -hmm. That's what the message came to me from my my friend. I don't have to stay in the space I'm in. And you're probably saying, they probably may say, well, is the space a physical space? It can be, but I think a lot of times, a lot of people are walking around here in a mental space that they're in prison. They may, the fathers may have left home. They may be unforgiven of mom or whatever the case is, Mm -hmm. but we start to have these, what I call ants, automatic negative thinking. (laughs) And we get to a place where we figure out, well, we have a thought and then we have a feeling and then it's just a cycle, you know, keeps going. And I stay on that stoop. That man at the pool of Bethesda, his excuse was, that every time the water is stirred, they just jump in front of me. There's a crowd. There's a crowd. Everybody jumps in front of you. So what does that mean? You are already in front. You just chose to sit there. To me in life right now, I think everything looks good. I mean, come on. I mean, sin, the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a moment. We all had a good time. And all three of us in this room, we sin daily. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is not just a physical act, but we sin also in our thinking. Mm-hmm. And we, we sin in our, with our mouth. You know, we, we do a lot of things and we can do a lot of damage. All in the what? Name of Jesus, right? People think I got to be perfect to come to church, but you come into a place where a whole bunch of people are imperfect. But we serve a perfect God. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing, and I heard we, we were talking earlier and I just... I want to just say this is that you don't need to know the Bible from cover to cover 
to share your story. Your story is your story. When that man asked me, tell me about you. I don't know why, but I was compelled to tell him everything from beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was heartbroken. I was, I felt like I was in bondage for so long. It's something about being freed up, you guys. It's something about being able to say, you know what, God, I screwed up. I'm 6'5", over 300 pounds, and I can tell you this right now. If I hid behind a microphone, I'm still able to be seen. It's so funny that we <laughs> think we can hide from God. And it's not that God is just God who is coming to you, wants to you know, put a ha lay hammer to you because you messed up. We are serving a God that loves us in spite of our stuff. He knew that he knew that Chandler would do the things he do. He knew that Sarah Marie would do. He knew that Harold mm -hmm. would do it. And yet he still made a decision to come die on the cross for us. While we were still sinning. While we were still sinning, we mm -hmm. were saying crucify him. Mm -hmm. And he knew after that that we would mess up. Look at Peter. Peter was like denying Christ. He, he thought he wanted to be the head, everything. He denied Christ. And I love the conversation. And if you can crawl into this space with me right now, when Jesus and Peter had this conversation, he was like, you know, you, you, you know, Jesus, I, I got you. I'm just paraphrasing. I got you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. No, you're not. And he said, get behind me, Satan. Right? Mm -hmm. I got to go here, Jesus. I got to go to this place. If I don't go, we all going to be, you're going to be lost. I got to go here. No, no. He said, look, you're going to deny me three times before all this is over. And he looked at him like, he's going to deny me? And Jesus says that, but when you come to, when you repent, so repenting is when you say, I'm sorry. When your heart is turned from the old ways of how you did things. And, and then he goes and says, after you've done that, here's the key thing. And this is where a missional heart you got to have. After you repented, go help your brother and sister. I can tell you guys right now that you can see me as Pastor Harold. You can see me up here feeling like I'm at the top of the mountain here. But I can make the greatest impact to you both and to whoever by telling you my faults. Telling you why I screw up. Mm -hmm. Telling you, you know, hey, this is this is me. I'm not perfect. I'm still in this thing called flesh. Mm -hmm. And I still am human. And I'm going to not make mistakes. I'm going to make poor choices. We get it twisted. Mistakes and choices are different. Mm -hmm. We make decisions to do what our flesh wants to do. And so I love the fact that he knew Jesus was going to mess up. I mean, he knew Peter was going to mess up. I'm sorry. He even knew that's like he, he even knew that um oh my god Judas Judas was going to betray him. Mm -hmm. He still washed his feet and fed him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you do that? If we knew somebody was hating on us, we knew somebody was talking mean about us or side-eyeing us, we're we're ready to go. We're ready to be done with you. Yeah. Definitely. That's not a picture of who Jesus is though. No. Not at so all. at that moment, the rooster should be crowing when we act like that. Mm -hmm. Because he knew this guy was going to betray him. 
He knew the choices that he made. And yet he still said, I'm dying for him. I look at myself. He died for me because he loves me. You can't earn it. Mm -mm. We're not smart enough to understand it. And God still says, I'm dying for you. Yeah. And that's and and that's God's heart for us, right? It's the it's the heart that Jesus had for us, the the love that compels us to say, let's let's give up our lives and what we want to do and follow Him. And it's that that we need to remember. It's like that moment that we need to come back to. I think just about every single time that we think about, here's this person that I know. Maybe here's this person I'm randomly interacting with at the grocery store. Uh, somewhere in between there too, when there's opportunities to help someone to know who Jesus is. It's coming back to that moment for ourselves and we come back to our stories and you just shared a bunch of what what compels you about your own story, that mm-hmm. someone came for you, but then even taking that a step back and thinking about, well, the first person who came for us was Jesus in the heart that he had for us and even the people that he chose that he wanted to to walk with were far from doing that perfectly. And he chose to to die for them and die for us yes. regardless. Yes. And so coming back to yeah, just the the whole big idea of what where is it important to start? If we're gonna say we're we're doing this podcast to try and help help people want to share about Jesus with other people, that to me, it feels like the place to start. And that's what that's what you're saying is we want to start at remembering what has Jesus done for us mm-hmm. and let that lead to, all right, I want to see Jesus do that for this person who's standing here in front of me. That's right. I mean, you think about it. <clears throat> when you actually are going for a job interview, you're asked to give a resume, talk about yourself. In this aspect, what is Jesus' resume in your own life? What has Jesus done for you? Are you reminded of how you woke up this morning? Are you reminded of how what you've been praying for didn't happen? It didn't happen? Are you reminded of the grace and he takes away the shame? We walk around sometimes like we're in our own prison that we placed ourselves in. And we sometimes tend to always want to blame other people for why we're in a situation we're in. But the truth of the matter, it could be other people. But guess what? Jesus is calling you out of that space. Mm-hmm. He wants you to be different. He wants you to think different. He wants you to love unconditionally. He wants you to give grace and mercy to other people, including yourself. Some people are in prison because they feel a certain way about themselves. But God is saying, That's not who I created you to be. If you look in the beginning, God says, I give you all power and dominion. We have power. We have all the resources we need. We lack nothing. We are the lenders and not the borrowers. Mm -hmm. We are the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We are the apple of God's eye. Can you imagine somebody loving you even though they know you're messy? Even though they know that you say you're sorry today, but in five minutes, you're going to do something else again. And he know he knows those things, but yet he loves you and his love compels to you. 
He's never sleeps or he never slumbers. He's always watching over you. He's always looking out for you. He closes doors that we don't have enough sense to not walk through. I mean, this is the things that Jesus does. So you talk about missional. Man, <laughs> why wouldn't we want to live a life for this Christ? Why wouldn't we want? Why wouldn't we want to do that? You know, and at the end of the day, people can say, well, what if it's not true? Then it just means I spent a lifetime being nice to people, being loving to people. Then, <laughs> yeah. But what if it is? What if it is? Every knee is going to bow mm -hmm. and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. I don't care who you're worshiping. I don't care who you, whatever you say, I'm a, I worship the moon and the stars. Okay, it's fine. But at the end of the day, no one else died for you and defeated death, hell, and the grave for you. And he talks about he paraded the enemy around, took all your stuff back that belonged to you and put it back into his right possession, which is in your hands. Yeah. I think about the story of um, the woman at the well, and this is the brief new revised Sarah Marie version, but so a woman who is ashamed goes out to a well to draw water, hottest mm -hmm. part of the day. No one should be doing that. You should be waiting till there's cool of the morning or the evening and encounters Jesus there. And Jesus talks to her, which is revolutionary on its own, um, but essentially says, hey, You've had a lot of husbands. Guy you're with now, not currently your husband, and calls her out on her sin and her choices and the reasons for her shame. And then she takes that, goes back to the village to all of the people who um, treat her poorly and says, come back to this well with me. I met a man who knows everything about me. And that is that is our resume. Our resume is our sin, our brokenness, our choices. Yes. And then we take on his resume. She's not saying, come come meet the man who says all my choices are fine. Like, keep doing what you're doing. She's not saying, come meet the person who doesn't care what you do. She wants you to meet Jesus, the living water. And then we take on his resume. And in him, we're healed, redeemed, restored, proclaimed free. Yes. And I love that even though it was at a cost to her, she went and brought the rest of the village back so that they could also take on the resume of Jesus. Yeah. And so. she's one of she's one of the most unlikely people mm -hmm. to go and tell the whole village and have them listen to her mm -hmm. and, and come to to know Jesus. There's something about I've heard I've heard plenty of people teach on this passage in the past, and like they it's said, good they, one. they emphasize how the time of day is important. Of how she's the fact that she's going at the time that she is is likely means that she's just either outcast by people or choosing to make herself an outcast. And the fact that now she, the outcast, the one who might be the most lost, is the one that Jesus says. I'm going to save you, and now you can't help but go and share with other people. She pulls mm -hmm. them off their stoops. Yes. And so for the person who's out there that's thinking, why, why would Jesus want to use me? I feel like that story is 
encouraging because Jesus will use whoever he wants to come to bring people to know him. Or if we're thinking about, all right, I have a heart for someone to come to know Jesus, but like that person, I don't know if that person could ever, like, could that person ever come to to know and follow him? Mm. And, And my answer would be yes, that, that this story shows us both of those, that God will use whoever and can save whoever That's right. as long as we, yeah, remember, think about that moment, that moment of elation when the woman finds out who Jesus is and finds out that forgiveness of sin comes through him and gets to taste some of that living water, mm-hmm. as you said. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. That, that, it's so true. I mean, you look at, when I think about it, I go back to like Luke, in the, in the a story of Luke uh, 15, the parable of the lost sheep, if you start thinking about that in itself, he's walking along. You got all these sheep. One strays away. What What does it matter if we lose one? That's, that's the whole piece. Jesus wants everybody to come to know who he is. He wa- I'm sorry. He wants all of us in paradise. He wants us in those spaces. He wants us in that place. I want to be in a new heaven, new earth. I want to be there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you think about that, he said the one that's lost has value, has purpose, his purpose. And your purpose, and all of us here in this room, the three of us in this room, and those of you listening, you have a purpose, Mm -hmm. period. And as Jesus has a purpose for your life, there's something that you were totally created to do. Someone that you're supposed to reach, they can be, they may not be born right now. If you're a college student, they may not be born. Or it may be someone, that undesirable roommate that you may get that mm-hmm. gets on your last reserve nerve. Guess what you're supposed to do? Share the gospel. That one professor that just, ah, man, always got something to say about something. Share the gospel. If it's your mother and your father, I was able to share this gospel with my mother and father. It's it's important that we know that every day we wake up, is the devil saying, cool, he's woke? Or is the devil saying, oh, my God. Why is he up today? That's what we want him to say. Mm -hmm. I want to wreak havoc in his world. Because at the end of the day, we are called to represent Christ. We are Christ's ambassadors. And you have purpose. You have meaning. I mean, Jesus loves you so much. You think about it. Who's going to give their only begotten son for our lives? We talk about, oh, I'll die for you. You're my buddy. You... Really? But Jesus, he did it. Mm-hmm. You look at the hundred sheep, those hundred, those ninety-nine, they were they were they were doing what they need to do, I guess, in some ways. Some of them were the righteous. Jesus didn't come for those who think they got it all together. He came for those who are sick. And I'm gonna tell you, beloved, all of us, if you don't know him now, if you do know him now, we were all once sick. And sometimes we kind of can go back down that lane again of being sick, acting sick again Mm -hmm. when we sin. But Jesus says, I'm coming for you. 
my whole my his his whole mission was the cross. If you look at everything that's going on, he he it almost we thought it was oh this is gonna happen in the Garden of Gethsemane. Was he's like he says, but nevertheless, let thy will be done. Mm-hmm. At the end of all of it, Jesus is saying that I love you, Sarah. I love you, Chandler. I love you, Harold. I love you. I love you so much. I have a plan for you. I have things for you to do. And I want your life to resemble my life. That's what I want. When you're at your weakest, that's when you're strong, when you can rely on me. Trust me. And you have problems and all of us have problems. Let me say this, that seeing a therapist, anxiety, depression does not make you some alien. Mm -mm. I recommend if you are, I don't care if you are the archbishop (laughs) and you need counseling and therapy, go. Go and get it. Get it. Go and get that. And I tell you this, you know, yeah, we can pray. And prayer does miraculous things. Absolutely. But God says, you know, you still need help. And we are to help one another, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what we need. You're no bad person because you feel depressed or you have anxiety or you you may be spectrum. You may have PTSD. You're not a bad person. You, all those people in the Bible who had all these different issues. Mm -hmm. And look at me. I got a bunch of issues myself. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm overweight. How about that? (laughs) Okay. I know y'all couldn't tell. but (laughs) but On the the podcast. On the podcast, right. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I'm just saying to you guys that we all have something going on in our lives. Yeah. And we just need to be able to trust God enough that he's going to literally change our lives and use us even in the state that we're in. Mm -hmm. But he wants us not to remain there. Man, I always say, can't make your own serotonin. Store-bought is fine. Yep. Get it. Yep. I, I think that you're hitting on something that is oftentimes... For the believer, we think we need to be perfect or to have a perfect story to be able to share the gospel, to Mm -hmm. reach out to other people. But if I'm a broken person reaching out to a broken person, your perfection is not attractive to me. I want to know that you've been where I've been. You've experienced what I've experienced. And guess what? The Lord loves you and sees you and and cares for you, even in your brokenness, even in your poor choices. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much work that we can do. A big part of my story um, is spending a lot of time in life pretending. Um, I grew up kind of in the church, but never really heard the gospel. And my perspective on church was that being a Christian meant you were happy and you were helpful and you only made good choices and people liked you and you were never sad. And so that really led me into living a double life for a very long time. Um, one person out in public and then um, similar to you, I'm a really good sinner. Like I'm an exceptional sinner um, and was living two very different lives and I thought when I came to Christ later on, man, who's who's going to want to hear about Jesus from me when they find out all of these choices that I've made or all of these things that I still struggle with? Um, but it's comforting to know 
that the God who's worked in my heart and life wants to work in your heart and life too. And now when I look at my story and think about my past, it's no longer a spot of shame or darkness. It's now a story of triumph and the God we serve. One thing I love about him is he makes purpose out of pain. He makes everything to work for my good and his glory. And the fact that he can take my story and use it to help other people come to know him is mind blowing. It's amazing. That's really awesome. I mean, I think we have to learn how to dress up. I heard a lady say this some years ago, and she said, she did a poem about it, about I dress up. Oftentimes, you ever see somebody in a, a beautiful suit or dress, they look great, but inside they look wrecked. You don't get a chance to see that because all we can see is the outer, but Jesus sees the inner and the outer. And that's a beautiful thing. I mean, I remember we had this beautiful uh, tree in front. I think it was a Japanese maple or something like that. It was beautiful, but it was all like raggedy looking. It was like kind of crazy. And so we called the people to come over and trim the tree. Well, Chandler, guess where they began to clean the tree up? They started from the inside. If you ever see somebody trim a tree, especially a Japanese maple trees, when you start trimming a tree, you actually go in the inside and you start clipping the branches away on the inside and it begins to form the tree on the outside. When I seen these guys working, there's about three of them up in this tree and they're cutting stuff on the inside. I never once seen them take the, 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 the blade and go around the tree and shape it. They did all the shaping on the inside. And to me, when I seen that, that was a message for me right then. I said, okay, I need to be shaped and cleaned up on the inside. Because from the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaks. And so we get in that place where we feel like we can say what we want. You know, I heard people say, well, I've been here and I've done this all this long. So I, hey, if I put you guys in a garage for 30 years and open it 30 years later, you're still not going to be a car. So you can be anywhere you want to be all your life. The problem is that if you've been in church all your life and you haven't began to develop other believers, then you really aren't the church. You've just been attending. You're like my pastor you say, you're sucking up the anointing. Consuming it. Yeah, you're so we have to move from being people who are consumers. Mm -hmm. We have to move from that place as believers. If you want to tell people your story, I mean, it's, it's not some big thing if you go out and there's a sale at Macy's, there's a sale at Dick's Sporting Goods, there's a sale at the coach outlet. We share that all day. Mm -hmm. But there's a sale on new life. And it never, ever, ever is going to cost you one cent. Nope. It's just going to cost you to believe, to trust that God has this new place for you, mm -hmm. this new way of living. I don't know about you, but I believe every person out here in this world that may not even be people of God, may have not given their lives to Christ, they're not happy with that, that life. When I was out doing the stuff I was doing, and man, I was doing a lot, it was some days I just wasn't happy. 
Because the problem is that we look for happiness and happiness is overrated. What's going to help you in the lowest parts of your life is joy. What's going to help you in the biggest parts of your life is joy. And you need to get that joy. You have to experience Christ. And that's just the truth. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. We are, man, we could talk, we could talk on this thing all day. Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to try and wrap us up for the sake mm -hmm. of the people. Uh, we could keep talking after if we want mm -hmm. to, but. You guys all miss out. We'll see. Maybe we'll, <laughs> uh, part two, I don't know. <laughs> Um, but the question I wanted to, wanted to ask, we're, we're talking a lot, a, a lot of things that I think someone could latch onto and have, have some vision for. And I mean, I do personally from, from this whole conversation, um, of wanting to have a heart for others that's either founded in the way that someone else came to us and shared with us the way that Jesus modeled having a missional heart, the way that. Like you said, his whole life was about getting to the cross. Or that's modeled out of this last part that you're saying of doing this work on the inside to help make us more into who Jesus wants us to be and to be people who have an impact on other people around us. And my question is for the person who's out there who maybe they they latch on to someone or something from this, they, they feel like, yeah, I want that to be who I am, but I, I feel like I'm not. I'm not there yet. Or I feel like maybe I, I kind of want this, but they need to start cultivating a heart like that. Like you're not just going to listen to this podcast and be ready, right? It, if they're not at that point, there might be things, ways to to start working on that. So for both you, Sarah Marie, and you, Pastor Harold, what are some things at the most practical level you can think of, ways that people can start to cultivate a heart in themselves for being on mission and living sent in, in their lives. You ever get to, you guys ever uh, been in like a public pool? Mm -hmm. And you know, the first thing we do when we get in the pool, we stick our feet in kind of, and, and we see if it's kind of cold and we say, oh, it's cold. The best way to get warm in that pool is to do what? Jump in. Jump in and start moving. Mm -hmm. That means doing something. To me, if you are someone that's been contemplating that, I just don't know, I don't feel, first stop feeling, because feelings are tricky. The, the, the thing you, I will recommend you do is talk to someone who you feel that's been kind of talking to you about Christ, or you know they go to church every Sunday because you call them and you want to go hang out, and they're like, I I can do it after 12 o'clock. I can do it after one or whatever time because I'll be at church. Ask them some questions. Pick their brain. Um, if they tell you all the glitz and glamour and the stuff is not hard, I want you to run. <laughs> run real fast. Mm -hmm. As a senior pastor, this walk, as a believer, this walk is hard. But anything worthwhile, you know, being an ex-athlete and anything, I hated practice sometimes, but you had to work, sweat equity. You have to do some things. And I think one of the biggest things, you have to drop your ideas of what you think it is. Talk to people, find out the truth. And, and, and then don't try to pattern your life around just what they say. Ask somebody else. 
talk to somebody. And one of the things I can recommend if you feel like, well, I'm an introvert. I don't talk to a lot of people. Then ask Christ. Ask him. And you don't have, well, I don't know how to pray. Yes, you do. When Peter was asked to get out the boat, right? He stepped out on faith. And then he lost sight of where he was going. He failed. Peter didn't say, Dear Jesus, ha, we he wasn't he wasn't going in all this. He said, God help me. That's all he said. When you pray and ask God to help you understand, God help me understand in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a prayer. Because coming from you from an earnest place, a place that you're saying, I need help. And and I'll tell you this. You're going to mess up sometimes, and people are going to see it. People are going to experience it. But after you've repented, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Go help your brother and your sister. Go and talk to people and ask every question you can think of. Why do you go to church? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray? And the person that's a believer that's getting this question you better have an answer. Because if you don't, you just you just kicked away somebody who was really looking. You can't be somewhere for all this time. If I asked you about your career, why do you want to do this? Why do you, what do you learn from this? Why are you doing that? You're going to tell me a whole lot. Then we have to learn how to share with people what God has done for us. And my story is this. My story is that. This is how I know he helped me because when I was feeling at my lowest place and I felt suicidal, I felt like this everything was crumbling. God did not sit and shake his finger at me and tell me, you don't have no faith. God says, because I love you, son. I love you, daughter. Who does that? But Christ. And I think we try to look for some, we try to think about Christ with our intellect. Here's a, here's a news flash. None of us are smart enough. We just got to trust. And you're not going to get all your answers met. Not right now. Time takes time. Everything is going to be a process. And it happens in time each step. Every every step you take, you may step off to the right, to the left a little bit. God brings you back up in there and you keep going. The lost son found himself in foreign land. People who are living a life that are not of Christ, they're in foreign land. Because what? We're, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And so they find themselves somewhere they shouldn't be. When he found himself, he was in... In, in, in bed with a pig, a hog, and was not able to share and eat the things that a hog was eating. But what did he do? He remembered, he remembered at that moment that his father has hired hands. He remembered that my father has, and I'm just I'm paraphrasing, he has a bed, he has comfort, he has AC, he has all this, he has food in the refrigerator, he has everything I need. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go 
back to my father's house. He practiced his begging the whole way. The like, whole way, didn't he? I do that. Like, you know, you're going to have a hard yeah. conversation. So yes. Like, okay, here's exactly what I'm going to say. And that's what they're going to say. And then I'm right. going to say this. So right. he goes home. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he gets home, in fact, before he went home, Sarah, you notice that the father was always looking mm -hmm. for him. So if you're out here lost, if you're out here feeling your loss, you feel like I'm just no good. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Jesus is looking at you and he's looking for you. He's ready. He's ready with his arms open. And notice he said that he, he came to, I'll do whatever I need to do. I'm sorry. He says, look, my son who was once lost is found. Get him to find his this, get him that. And some people are going further in the story. His brother was like, well, I've been here all along. Well, you wasn't lost. Apparently, you might have been if you're feeling like this, but you've been here with me. God places this value on people who haven't been there with him. And this is why, as a believer, you need to always look to help others. Look to put people ahead of yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't be selfish. Don't. Don't look past people. I was an underdog. I don't know about you, but I was an underdog. I didn't think I would get there. And I don't know what there is, but I know I'm, I'm saved. That's the there. I really feel that that's what I'm saying to you. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of all of it, God is saying, I want you. I desire you. And, and, he's, and I'll never leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm never going to walk away from you. And to me, that's a promise you can take to the bank. Mm -hmm. And so that whole piece for him coming home and he was home. And you're right, he practiced. I, I don't know how many times I do that. Man, I'm going to say this. God already knows. All you got to do is say, God, I messed up. Mm -hmm. Period. And I'm sorry. And I know... If, if you would allow me, I really want to share what happens even when you ask people to come to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to teach you the ABCs. It's going to be really quick. When you want to accept Jesus. Now, look, you hear people say, well, I've been baptized. But if you haven't accepted Christ the way Romans 10 and 9 speaks about, you're not saved. So I'm going to give it to you in a different version so you can catch this. So A, I'm going to go to the Father and say, and this is between you and Jesus. A, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I make wrong decisions, poor choices. I've been wrong. And then B, I'm going to believe in my heart that Jesus died for me, that he defeated death, hell, and the grave for me. And then C, I'm going to confess out loud that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, ruler of my life, CEO of my life, the, 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 the big dog of my life, if you want to call it. He is chief in charge of my life. And that means everything about you, your very ugly, ugly places that no one else knows but you, at least you think. Those great places where you feel like I'm all of that and five bags of chips. Mm -hmm. Those places that you're uncomfortable, uncertain, 
your darkest secrets. I don't know about you, but you ever told a secret, a, a, a secret about yourself and you confessed it, how it feels so relieving because you were in prison, a mental prison. And once you do that, the Bible says at that moment that you are saved. A, B, C. Admit, believe, and confess. That's it. That's it. You don't have to turn to the east, north, or south and do this or walk around this a hundred times. He's not asking you to do that. He's asking you just to believe him, to say out loud to him. At that moment, you are saved. That's it. Now, that's the beginning of this walk. That's the beginning part of the process. Now, he's saying, now we have to do some work. And part of that work is, as you are developing, as you are growing in him, you have to go get someone and walk them through what you've been through. Mm -hmm. All of us have a certain amount of people, a certain group of people that we are to go back to and bring them and help them. And we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. So when you say this, you're going to get people laughing at you. You're going to get people going to walk away from you. Look, the, the, the ones who hung out with Jesus, the disciples, they seen him in the flesh. They seen him. And he sent them out in twos to go talk to people. But guess what? Some people didn't receive it. And you're going to have people who don't, re don't receive it. Don't you argue with anybody about the gospel? Don't you try to force? Because when you force it, well, I don't see why you don't understand this. That means you are in your flesh. That means you, you think you are the little G. Just share it. People going, you can't lead, you can't make a person drink water after you let them there. Mm -hmm. They have to make a decision. So that's to me, I'm hoping and praying that, that you who have not made that decision out there understand as simple as A, B, C. Just tell God, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. And tell God, I believe you died for me. I believe you did all this for me. And just tell him, hey, you're Lord of my life. I'm confessing out loud, you're Lord of my life. At that moment, you're saved. Mm -hmm. Period. Period. Will you pray for us here in this room and for all our listeners? I sure would. Thank you. Father, I thank you now, first and foremost, God, for Chandler. And thank you for Sarah. And thank you for the new life family. I thank you, God, that you have placed on their hearts to do this work to reach people where they are, whether it's in person, whether it's through the airways of podcasts or streaming, whatever it is, God, thank you for that. And I pray, Father God, you continue to anoint and to bless this house, to grow it, let it be a beacon of light in a place of a dark world. I pray, Father God, that health and prosperity and, and also wisdom, Lord God, and grace and mercy, Lord God, would abound so much here in this house. Father, I continue to pray for them, Lord God, that they would reach people everywhere. God, I pray for those who are listening now. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that that young lady or that young man who are struggling 
with identity, that young man or woman who is struggling with depression or addiction, that young man or woman that is out there that is struggling with, does my father love me? He's not around me. All those things that could be barriers for them to say, I don't believe in this gospel because of this. Well, God, I thank you that you already had devised a plan for them. I thank you for your healing hand upon them. I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus for, Lord God, changing their ways, changing their mindsets, Lord God, giving them a new walk, a new purpose, a new way of doing this life. I thank you, God, in the name of Jesus, that you are erecting more soldiers in the kingdom, Lord God, to go out and do the work, God, that we are called to do. And I pray, God, that you, Lord God, would bring those who are listening through all this series of podcasts that this house, this this wonderful house is going to be sharing over these airways, God. I pray that thousands and thousands will come to the gospel. I pray, God, that you would overwhelm this house so much that they would have to even look at renovating to build on more. I pray in the name of Jesus that souls will come out everywhere and they want to hear, how do I be saved? I pray this in the name of Jesus, Lord God, because you do nothing by just addition. You multiply, God. And so I pray this now, God, that you would have your way. Continue to bless this ministry and bless those who have ears to hear you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor H. It's joy to do ministry with you and a gift to have you here today. I'm really grateful. Amen. I agree. I agree. Thank you so much for being here with us. Sarah Marie, why don't you say, how can people meet Pastor H when they serve Ooh. with Christian love? Mm-hmm. We should plug, plug that. Once a month on the fourth Saturday of the month, New Life and Christian Love team up to do a food distribution at Christian Love Fellowship from nine to noon. And then once a month, uh, we have a men's meeting and a women's meeting. And those are both fantastic places to get connected. And if you would like to learn more, um, my email and phone number in the description, and you can give me a call or an email. Great. And usually information on that stuff is in our bulletin. In the bulletin, on the app. All that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But find me or Sam Marie. We'll Mm -hmm. put her contact in there and you can get to know pastor harold as well Mm -hmm. uh but thank you again pastor harold for being here with us and for all of you listening we'll see you back for episode two